Welcome to The Radiant Life with Tatiana. I am your host and I'm obsessed with empowering you to live and create the best life possible. I'm a master mindset coach, breathwork facilitator, and a passionate little Latina who loves sharing the magic behind your subconscious mind and energetics. If you're looking to uplevel your mindset, learn all about spirituality and manifestation, and to be inspired in making a change to embody your best self, you are in the right place. My goal is for you to see and unlock your limitless potential, to have the tools to break free from the chains holding you back so you can create and live your most radiant life. I am so excited to have you here listening today. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Radiant Life Podcast. Today's episode is super empowering in a special interview with Monica Yates. Monica is an embodiment coach, trauma healer, period whisperer, and the host of Feminine As Fuck podcast. She runs a seven-figure business helping people break free of their trauma and energetic blocks. And over the last six years, she's been working with clients and has developed numerous life-changing programs and events with her signature original modalities that have healed thousands of people from their trauma and triggers so that they can manifest a life of their dreams. She shares so much value and wisdom in today's episode, covering topics such as healing our periods and the core relation it has with our connection to our feminine energy and our intuition and really shares her story of getting her period back and what that did to her. We also speak on problems our society is facing where women have lost their ways of what makes us special and women and feminine, what allows us to thrive and feel fulfilled and how it's confusing to our biological makeup because of these society expectations and pressures that they've put on us and how it's playing a role in our relationships, our careers, and our overall happiness. She speaks so much truth, shares a powerful perspective and tips on how to embrace our feminine energy again, how to embrace who, what makes us special and how to apply that into our careers and into our relationships so we can find that happy balance again. You're going to step away from this podcast with such a beautiful insight and perspective and action tips on how to move forward. So let's just dive into it. I'll stop talking so you can hear from her. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have a special guest. We have Monica Yates here. For those of you who don't know, Monica is a trauma healer. She's a feminine and masculine embodiment coach, a period whisperer for women, and she's the host of the Feminine As Fuck podcast, which I absolutely love listening to. And she runs a seven-figure business helping people of all walks of life really break free from trauma and energetic blocks that are holding them back from living the life of their dreams. And I'm so excited to have you here, Monica. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Tatiana, for having me. Well, we just had a little bit of a Wi-Fi glitch here. So hopefully everybody can hear us and we're recording nice and swell. Um, (laughs) I love having everyone on the show just start off with introducing themselves a little bit of like who you are, what -hmm. you do, and just a backstory of how you got to where you're at today. I am going to try and keep this as brief as I can because there is so much to my story. Um, So I'm going to kind of like bullet point it. So a couple of key things was I grew up, hated being a girl, hated being a woman, hated having a period. Um, I really had this sentence rammed into my head of women have the bad end of the stick next time I'm coming back as a man. Um, And so I really idolized men and I thought that it was better to be a man basically. Um, 
And I was the classic hyper-independent, misindependent, I don't need a man, closed off, cold, that cool girl, like as in like super unemotional. I literally did an Instagram post this morning about the cool girl, um, you know, unemotional. Uh, and I thought that's what would get me a man's love. You know, I, I hated men, but at the same time, I deeply wanted to be saved by one. You know, it was this like dichotomy of the push and pull between the two. I had horrendous periods when I was younger. I was put on like the highest form of the pill. I would bleed through maternity pads. I wear a tampon and a maternity pad bleed through it all. Like it was atrocious. Um, and of course, no one told me how to naturally heal my cycle. So I, I just had a really bad relationship with the feminine and being a woman and what it meant to be a woman. And that kind of manifested in many different things. I had a really horrendous ski accident six years ago now or something that put me in hospital and I had to learn how to walk again and everything. And that was the moment, like there was many different moments in my journey where I learned different things. But for that, for me, that moment was where I had to actually not be misindependent anymore because I literally, <clears throat> excuse me, I literally couldn't. I couldn't shower myself. I couldn't take myself to the bathroom. I lost my period actually again. I, I lost it once before for 18 months and I lost it again because, and I'm so glad that I did because my mom would say, look, I love you. I'll wipe your bum, but I draw the line at putting a tampon up there and dealing with your period, which I really <laughs> do understand. Um, so yeah, I lost my period twice and my business started out because when I lost my period the first time after about 18 months and, you know, the first 18 months, I was like, this is fucking great. I hate having a period. Now I'm not, you know, having to deal with this pain and like all that kind of stuff. And just like the, the inconvenience of it, you know, I really believed that having a period was an inconvenience. Um, and so once that kind of like first couple, the first year, um, and that excitement about having a period wore off, I really tried to get my period back and I tried everything under the sun, went to a naturopath, went to the doctors, did the blood tests, like did all the things and nothing was working. I was eating enough food. I wasn't over-exercising. Um, anyway, and long story short through, through a relationship that I was in at the time, he was really masculine and he would like force me into my feminine. There wasn't a choice of whether I could be the man in the relationship. That wasn't an option for him. And even though sometimes it wasn't always done in the healthiest way, I got my period back three months after dating him. And if you know a woman's cycle, like it takes 90 days for a follicle to come around into ovulation and then for you to bleed. So um, I became obsessed with trying to understand periods, but in a different way, you know, and we don't get taught this shit at school, which made me so angry at school. I was led to believe that being a woman was like the worst thing in the world. Having a period was the worst. Like if you looked at a man, you would get pregnant, like so much fear mongering around our most feminine part of ourselves. So I really disconnected myself from that part um, of me. And then when I kind of went on this journey of learning about periods, I found that there was a lot of information about there about the, about out there about nutrition and herbs and all those kind of things. This was like eight years ago, but um, there was nothing about uh, uh, like the energetic side of it. There was nothing about you know how your body holds trauma and that can then manifest into a missing period or endometriosis or PCOS. And I went through when I was having my really painful periods. My gynecologist thought I had endometriosis, and of course, you don't know until you go into surgery. But I got rid of that, um, got rid of it all. And so that kind of made me obsessed with understanding periods. Then from that, I became obsessed with understanding the link between periods of trauma and then feminine energy tied into that. And I've always been really fascinated by the human brain and like human psychology. So then that kind of tied into that. And then um, I did a lot of my own healing journey um, around 
trauma with men and daddy issues and the hyper independence and just toxic relationship with the masculine. Um, and that I was always like really intuitive as a kid, but as most of us do, we kind of shut it out. Yeah. And that just like opened up my channel. And I am like clairvoyant, clairaudient, claircognizant. And although I don't like advertise it, like I don't do like readings or anything anymore. I, I used to actually do them a little bit. Um, I like all my modalities and the whole way that I've done my business is pure intuition. Um, when I started coaching women, I was doing it um, more so like the mindset and life coaching and that kind of thing. And I'd be on these calls and I would just, you know, if anyone's super intuitive listening to this, they would get it. It's like, I would not even choose what I was saying. I was just saying it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would be guiding people through these modalities and like, I still remember one of my earliest clients. She was like, I have tried to get rid of that trigger for 10 years in therapy. And after one hour with you, like now I think about it and I'm like, meh, like don't care anymore. And a week later, she messaged me, same thing. A month later, same thing. And so I started rewatching all of my calls and writing down everything that I was doing. And one thing led to another and now we're here. But that's basically the short form of my journey. And I feel like that was really long. No, I love it. That was like so much, so much there and so much to unpack. So sounds like the stepping stones were the surgery where your yeah. accident that kind of taught you how to let go of control and diving yep. deeper into your period health, which I yes. completely agree. We are missing women's anatomy and education in our school systems and our society. And it's a shame. And I think more and more women are coming out talking about this, but I think it's, it's a huge key. And so it sounds like when you went deeper in with your, your body, your health, your period, you were able to tap into your power. Sounds like. Correct. Yes, definitely. So for those listening, I know I've shared my coming off the birth control journey and I lost my period as well for a year. What would you say? Cause you say you're, you know, period whisperer, tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about how you support women in any advice for women who are struggling with their periods, irregular periods, or have been on the pill for decades because it's been normalized and what you would yeah. share with them about that. So let's, I'm going to talk back with, obviously for the pill, it's kind of different, um, or any kind of hormonal birth control, it wreaks havoc on every part of your body. Mm -hmm. And the pill, for example, depletes every single nutrient store completely wrecks your gut microbiome. And so anyone coming off the pill, you need to do work on your body before you come off the pill. If you just come off the pill, you could, oh my God, did you just say that? Sorry. My dog just tried to jump off and completely <laughs> failed. Like, and he's this tiny toy poodle just completely failed. Oh my God. It's so funny. Oh my God. Now I have all of them. Okay. Wants to be a part um, of the show. He does want to <laughs> be part of the show. Hey, butter. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, doing the work before you come off hormonal birth control is really important. And obviously if you, anyone listening, if you're like, oh my God, but I came off it last week. Am I screwing my body up? Like, no, you're fine. Like you're going to be okay, but you need to get on this stuff before mm -hmm. it's too late because for a lot of women, they'll come off the pill and they either don't get their period back or it's not regular, or, you know, they're starting to like show some signs of androgen dominance and they go to their gynecologist and the gynecologist goes, oh yeah, PCOS. And then they, of course, freak out. And it's just this like label slapped on it. So unempowering, so fucking not helpful. And people will come to me and I'm like, you don't have fucking PCOS. You might have post pill PCOS, but of yeah. course you do because your body's trying to figure out what the hell is happening because you've been on these fake hormones forever. And now all of a sudden you're not on them. You're really stressed. Like you have all these life factors coming in and you can't mute them because you're not on the pill anymore. So now you're actually seeing them come through your body with these physical manifestations. So 
the number one thing I always say is you need to do work on your period before you come off any kind of hormonal birth control. And you need to understand your period and your cycle and these symptoms mm-hmm. before you come off hormonal birth control. So if these symptoms start to occur, you don't freak the fuck out and then trust the gyno that wants to just put you back on the pill. You actually are empowered to like trust your body and know what to do. Uh, the second thing I would say, I guess, with that is take a doctor's advice with a grain of salt. There are some yeah. great doctors out there, but there are some doctors that just want to push you on the pill. They are just like, what do they call them? Pill pushers or whatever they're called. Um, so be aware of that. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of the side of things with like the period whisperer and um, helping women like regulate their cycle again, get off, uh, not get off the pulmonary birth control, but um, get their period back, endometriosis, et cetera. This component is more so where when a client's come to me and they're like, I've done all the herbs, I'm eating all the right things. I've cut out this, I've cut out that, like I'm reducing my stress and I still have irregular periods or endometriosis or painful periods or no period. Obviously it gets pretty frustrating. Every woman that has come to me, at least that I know of, that has wanted to get her period back or get a regular cycle or get rid of endometriosis has. And Kind of in the beginning, I wasn't fully understanding it to the point that I do now where I was like, what the fuck is happening? And I would have friends that are missing their period. They would come and have coffee with me the next day to get their period. Like it was wild. I had this friend that would keep losing her period (laughs) and she would come visit me in New York and the next day she'd get her period like clockwork. And then if she didn't see me for a while, she wouldn't get her period again. She'd come see me the next day or the day later, she'd get her period again. Like it was, I'd be waiting for the text. I've got my period again. Um, Wild. So So a lot of the reason why this happens is because as a woman, we hold so much emotion in our cervix, in our womb, in our vagina muscles, and we hold all of this tension around our reproductive system. Our ovaries hold so much tension and it's linked to our adrenals. So when you're stressed all the time, whether you know it or not, because you've probably just normalized your Mm -hmm. feeling of stress, that then affects your ovaries. And, you know, whether it's an energetic stress, like you being your body being stuck in this trauma cycle from you not feeling validated as a kid, or whether it's because you've been fighting with your partner, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Your adrenals are going off, whether you know it or not. And that then affects your cycle and no amount of ashwagandha is going to fix that. So whether it's like a current kind of trauma or a current stress, or whether it's a past trauma or like major stress, essentially when you eliminate that from your body, your cycle can then do what it's meant to do, right? You get rid of the inflammation, you get rid of the period pain, you get rid of all this tension that your body is holding so that you can bleed with ease, without pain, have a regular cycle, like all those kind of things. So it's for different symptoms, it's linked to like different reasons energetically, as in, you know, if you aren't ovulating regularly, like PCOS, let's say that for, for a lot of people will be more so linked to your body being in this constant stress response and delaying ovulation. And even if you're doing the fucking meditation and eating the vegetables and getting the sunlight, if there's this stress from your parents, that's on your shoulders all the time, whether you know it or not, you've probably normalized it. That can be affecting your adrenals. Thus it affects your regular ovulation. Therefore that also affects, affects your cycle endometriosis is a little bit different. So for each issue, it can show up a little bit differently in terms of what the root cause is, but it's a really important thing to look at because a lot of women, they'll try so many things. And at the end of the day, you don't want to have to be on herbs all the time. You don't Mm -hmm. want to have to feel like you can never fucking eat the ice cream um, or it's going to like wreak havoc on your whole body. You want to be able to feel like you can live your life 
And, you know, when you're in Italy, like drown yourself in ice cream and not have a bad period, because otherwise it's like, have you really fixed the root cause or is it still a bandaid? Cause in a sense, herbs can still be a bandaid. Yeah. Cause you're still relying on something else outside of your body. Right. And, and the herbs are quote unquote fixing like a pill, like fixing your bad periods. But then as soon as you're off the herbs, do your periods come back? Cause if they do like your bad periods, then that's telling me that the herbs are helping to mitigate the pain at the time, but the actual root that's causing the pain is not because you are deficient of Vitex or something. You know what I mean? Like you're not deficient yeah. of a herb in your body. So the root is really important to look at. No, I love all that. And I think speaking more awareness on this is amazing. Cause like I did probably everything you told everyone not to do. I just cut cold Turkey, lost my right. period. But now like looking back when I got my period back was after I did so much coaching and mindset and healing work yep. because my body was healing through stress. I was cleaning up my gut and yep. it, it's, it, it's all linked. And I, it's unfortunate that doctors are just, they were trying to push the pill back on me, like no other to get it back. And I'm, like, no, this is not the solution. Like, let's, it's just fucked because I'm like, you of all people know that that period is not a real period. So when you say this is how you can get your period back, like go back on the pill. I'm like, you went to medical school for how many years? Mm-hmm. It just, it like, it really, who I don't, I, be, I literally don't go to the doctor until I'm dead on the floor because I just can't. <laughs> I'm the same way. And like when this is, but this is being released, I just released an episode sharing my journey on prescription medications. And it's unfortunate that not that you can't trust, but just taking their information with the grain of salt and being like, okay, is this, is there more to this? Or are you getting paid to prescribe the pill that you're just trying to right. sell me the solution essentially? Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so period, it sounded like that was like your opening door to it was feminine energy. So tell me a little bit about your journey on moving through this hyper independence. I need to be in control, masculine energy. Cause I relate a lot and how you've been able to tap more into your feminine. Cause you run your business, you run your relationship. And I'd love to just go deeper into yeah. such a feminine energy. And I believe our world needs more women to step more into their, into their feminine. Totally. I mean, we've lost touch with all the female empowerment. That's great. But mm-hmm. in all of that, it's also pushed the achieve, succeed, it's, it's very, I mean, we start for like at school, right? So now women can go to school. That's obviously important and like fucking good. But yeah. from day dot of school, it's get A's, like be the best in your class, win this race. Like you want to be school captain or whatever. I don't know, fully know what it is in America, but you basically want to be the best. And we live yeah. in a world where we've devalued the feminine roles. We've devalued a woman folding the laundry and making dinner. And we now value those tradition, those more like quote unquote masculine, um, like breadwinner roles. Yeah. Yeah. Not what's the word. It's like, I can't think of the word, but that word for basically like, like status, sorry, status. We are so focused on gaining status, right? Being the best at something, mm-hmm. making this amount of money, you know, having this many followers on Instagram, like blah, blah, blah. It's all status. And that's, that's a masculine thing, right? Yeah. Women want to date men with better status than they do. And that actually then it's, which is causing a whole problem, right? Of women going after status, because now there's all these men that are unmarriable, quote unquote, and they're mm-hmm. unmarriable because women date up. So women want to date a man that has more status than they do. Well, now we have an issue where women have so much status and that's not a problem, but it's just something that we have to start now re, you know, we're in a new phase of relationships and dating. 
where we now have so much status as women and men either have the same level or not as much as us, like depending on the guy, obviously. And then we feel unattracted to him. And so what it's meant is that just basically for so many women, they have been sold this lie of go after the achievement of status and you will be happy, which Mm -hmm. isn't true. And we've devalued things that are not seen as status builders or productive. You know, we devalue um, reading a book to our child, but we value going on a late board meeting, for example, at home. Like that seems like it's more productive than reading a book to a child. And it's literally within our system. Like teachers get paid some of the lowest wages, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, they are growing our future. Like they are making our future generation, right? So um, for a lot of us as women, we basically, we've grown up in these households where um, either our mom was a stay-at-home mom and our dad worked all the time. And we were like, I wanted to be like dad. That was me. I want to be like dad. Um, I don't want to be like mom. I devalued what mom brought to the table in our family. And I idolized what dad brought to the table. Um, so for some of us, we can relate to that. For others, we've grown up where, you know, either our moms did work and that was so cool, right? It was so cool to be the girl at school where it's like, yeah, my mom has a job. Like my mom works, you know, and your mom would pick you up from school and she's like in a really sexy outfit from work. That was idolized as well. Um, For some of us, you went to school where it was cool to have a mom that worked, right? That was cool to have both parents that worked. Mm -hmm. Like what a power couple. Um, And so we then want to do that for ourselves as well. And so basically we've just, We've confused ourselves with what makes us feel fulfilled in life. And a lot of women um, believe that they will be fulfilled from gaining that status. And by having less status, they won't be as fulfilled. And it's not to say that running a business and whatnot isn't fulfilling. Like I am very fulfilled by my business, but the way in which you run your business is really important. And the way in which a lot of women are going to work and working and climbing that ladder, it's the wrong execution to make it fulfilling in the long term. And then not at the same time, also doing the things in their life that do bring fulfillment, connection, intimacy, you know, looking after something, nurturing, whether it's a dog or a child or whatever it is Like we've just lost touch with those feminine qualities. And so women can like get this great job that they've been dreaming about. And then they're like, oh, but I feel empty. Mm-hmm. And it's because the job doesn't fill us the same way that you know, cooking for a bunch of people fills us for some women that is. Yeah. And I think it's actually natural. I've been working with a lot of women who've been stepping into like their breadwinner roles. Their, their husbands are taking care of the kids and then they're dealing with this dynamic of they're holding the masculine energy, but then they're also having this mom guilt. And they're just like, because our society has ingrained in us to have equal. And I, and I, I don't think yeah. we are equal. I think we, We're all, not equal. We, have, we have different brains. We have different hormones. And I think it's learning to embrace that rather than seeing it as something wrong. Like we were gifted yeah. to be, to be different. Correct. How, what would you say on what's helped you or just anyone listening to move through needing to have this status or feel productive and how to let women soften back into their feminine? Cause I don't feel like many know how. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the softening back into feminine piece is that will happen when you feel safe to be in your feminine Mm -hmm. and when you feel safe to let go. And the reality is that a lot of women don't feel safe to not be in control. They don't feel safe to let go. They don't feel safe to soften, not only because of their own past trauma with men or whatever, or with women or what, you know, because women have trauma with other women. We have trauma from that sisterhood wound. So whether it's that or whether it's because, you know, 
society and the media is always pushing the agenda of men are dangerous, which mm-hmm. like, yeah, there are some men that are dangerous, but there are some men that also literally would take a bullet to protect you. So it depends on the men that you're looking at, you know? Um, and that's a whole other, that's a whole other topic <laughs> conversation, but for, for those women that, um, that are uh, like, they had, there's some, here's the thing. There are some women that are like, you are born a high achiever, right? Mm-hmm. You are born with that A-type personality and you need to work. And, and so I kind of want to, ca- like, there's almost like a caveat to the question of, I think a lot of women these days are trying to be entrepreneurs. They're trying to run a business, to seek this status, to mm-hmm. make themselves feel good, to, but they're just not, they're not made for it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, right? Like yeah. entrepreneurship is not for everybody. I always say you have to have a different entrepreneur to be a brain and you're either born with the chip or you're born without the chip. Um, and so when you have these women that are that are doing something that isn't actually align, in alignment with their soul, that's where it becomes like, okay, now you're really in your masculine because you're pushing and forcing something that isn't really meant to be there for what the status. Then you have other women and I'd be kind of more grouped in this where if you weren't, the, the women, these women are like, if I wasn't doing my job, like I would be depressed and miserable, not because they need the achievement, but because their soul is like, I've been put on the planet to do this thing. Now, often those women are in some kind of helping role and mm-hmm. women forever have been healers and witches and helpers and nurses and mothers and giving. Right. And so there's, there's, I feel like there's two groups of women where for, for one, for one side of, for, for one side, it's like, they're pushing themselves into a hole that they shouldn't be pushed themselves into mm-hmm. to seek status because that makes them then feel like they're doing quote unquote enough and that they're quote unquote successful as a woman because you know being quote unquote just a stay-at-home mom isn't valuable to society or valuable to anyone uh, mean, yeah. versus the yeah versus the other side is if I was you know if I wasn't doing my business and I was just a stay-at-home mom I would be absolutely miserable I definitely fall in that category I know that so I think that's the first thing to identify because for a lot of the time, it's about the execution of a job, right? So you could be a woman that is working in logistics. And if you love logistics and you love the spreadsheets and the data and the numbers, and it fills your soul and you're happy, then you can't say she's doing a masculine yeah, job yeah. because actually like the job itself of logistics, okay, it is technically more lean, uh, it leans more towards a male brain because men are more logical. And generally speaking, there are more men in that area, like that um, work field, but her execution is a feminine execution. So it's not that she's necessarily going to be in her masculine every day. She actually can do that job in her feminine. And when we, when we think and have the mindset around um, work is masculine, we limit ourselves from experiencing more femininity through our day, right? We think that we can only be feminine at home and that we can't also make our job more feminine, that we can't also soften in our job. So when you go to work, when you are at your desk, like what can you be doing to bring more softness, to bring more aesthetics, to bring more sensual awareness as in like flowers or candles or Mm -hmm. color, like those kind of things activate your senses and women are a sense-based being. So it's, it's doing those things. And then that makes it easier to then transition from work to home. When you are heavily masculine, it becomes very hard to go from like man to woman. 
Mm-hmm. But if you are, you know, you've had a busy day at work, but you've done it in a way that fulfills you. Yeah. You might be a little bit more tired when you come home, but you're actually going to want to soften into your feminine because you've kind of been craving it throughout the day. If that makes sense. When you're constantly on this high of masculinity and where your adrenals are pumping out cortisol, cause you're not meant to be in that state all mm-hmm. the time. You can then get addicted to the hypermasculinity and addicted to the achievement, addicted to the stress. And then you don't think about coming down from it because you don't even, it feels good. Like you don't know, like you, you, it's like this lie that you have towards yourself of like, but it makes me so happy. I'm like, does it make you happy or are you stressed? And the stress feels like a high. So you're actually mm-hmm. just addicted to doing your job. So I don't know if that answers the question, but no, but I think it brings some really, point. yeah. And I think it's actually bringing really good points where for the women who are actually not feeling aligned with entrepreneurship, I've been working a lot with women that like of this nature, because I think social media has just shed so much light of the opportunities and that's great and money. And I, I a hundred percent agree. It's not for everyone. And if your soul is screaming out to you, it's not working, it's feeling hard. Can you accept that maybe yeah. you are meant to be the one to stay home with your babies or yeah, that or way. work and that's for okay. somebody else. You know, you yeah. don't have to be the boss. You could support an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but because like entrepreneurship is idolized these days because of social media. Yeah. And like, I'll be really frank. Like I've said, it's not for everybody. It is very hard. And if you, mm-hmm. if it feels hard, like I don't find it, I don't, I say it's hard because I know that for the majority of people, the amount of work that I do and determination, most people don't have. Like my friends and stuff always joke about it. There's Monica's level of productivity and there's everybody else's. Like <laughs> we're on different planets here. And, you know, when, yes, it's, yes, entrepreneurship, it is a push. It is working hard. It is putting the hours in. But if you feel like giving up a lot and if you feel like there is this constant brick wall, if you feel like it's actually fucking hard, then, it's not for you because mm-hmm. whilst I'm like, it's kind of hard to distinguish. I'm like, yes, it's hard because you've got to put in work, but I never didn't want to put in the work. Like, yeah. I never don't want to work. Basically. It's not like you don't want to ever give working. up. Yeah. Never, it's never even a thought in my head mm-hmm. to be like, maybe I should give up. Maybe I'm not meant for this. And if you have that thought in your head, it doesn't mean that you can't work. It doesn't mean that you can't have a purpose outside, you know, being in a relationship, being a mother, whatever it is, it just means like you need to understand that you could work for a small business and have that sense of purpose of building something with, you know, your boss, the team, et cetera, without you having the responsibility of making the business successful. You get to help the business, but you don't have that responsibility. And that responsibility is a huge weight that most people find pushes them to the ground. Other people Mm -hmm. find that weight really motivating. So you and I probably find that weight really motivating. Yeah. For other people that way it would be debilitating. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think there's, it's, it, it's like, it takes a village to raise children. I think it takes a village to run a business. And I think there's yeah. not like a right or wrong and it's making sure you're finding what's filling your cup up and you're feeling fulfilled versus like you said, like, yeah, draining yourself and same things with any other job. Like this job, I get energized. Whereas my yes. other job, I was an engineer still doing a lot of work. I work more quote unquote now, but that was sucking the soul out of me. Cause I was in a role that was not in alignment. I was in my right. masculine. I, I was in just a whole different phase of my life. And it's, I think learning, like, if you feel like you have the gifts and the talents and the skills and the fulfillment and purpose doing a quote unquote, more masculine job, like you mentioned, that's okay. You can just bring it into, you're bringing a feminine essence into it. And that correct. I don't know, giving, it's not just black or white, I guess is what no. I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I love it's really that. not. 
Um, I would love to dive a little deeper into relationships around yep. masculine and feminine because, yep. okay, a lot of women I know listening here, um, either they're going through heartbreak or their relationships, they're wanting that more masculine partner or their man to step up or they want to soften, but they don't feel safe. And it's creating a lot of conflicts and relationships yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, coming from society's expectations, yeah. all of this, um, you know, feminism empowerment movement and what are your thoughts on that? What can you share on really bringing a balanced energy when it comes to relationships and having that flow? Oh my God, there's so much. I would say the first thing is, is that you as a woman need to realize that if you don't feel safe to let him lead, he cannot lead you. So the first important, like, it's just, it's a different ball game on his side because he doesn't have to surrender. Right. So he doesn't need, like, he has to feel safe to lead, but Mm -hmm. it's like a different kind of trauma thing happening as to why he can't lead or whatever it is. So it is so important as a woman that you heal your relationship with men, that you heal your past trauma with men, that you heal trauma around needing to be in control of not being able to let go, not feeling safe to let go, not feeling safe to surrender, not feeling safe to receive, like always being the giver or whatever it is. Like you have to heal that stuff because when you do and your energy then changes as a result of that, you will find that you don't even need to ask him to lead. It just naturally happens because he feels energetically and he doesn't have to be like into the energy to feel this. This is just also happening subconsciously. He feels your openness. He feels your softening. He feels your heart. And as a result of that, he's like, oh, I can now lead her. If there is not space, like energetic space for a man to lead, he will not lead you. So there has to be energetic space, which means that you have to feel that openness of, I want you to lead. A lot of women, they crave the feeling of feeling that, but they Mm -hmm. they cannot actually feel that. So that'd be the first thing. The second thing is a lot of men don't feel safe to lead because society is like, if you hold open a door, you're a fucking misogynist. And men don't know what to do these days anymore. I have these conversations with men all the time. I was literally on a guy's podcast the other week and he was like, so wait, He's like, Monica, I'm honestly like confused. Men just don't know what to do these days. Some guys, some girls want the door held open for them. Other girls like rip my head off if I do that. If I pay for the date, if I don't pay for the date, like what are we meant to do? And I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is the problem is that there is no consistency anymore. Women have put ourselves, we've put ourselves in a gray area. And we all, it's funny, we all hate the gray area in dating, but we actually fucking do it. We've put ourselves in this gray area. We don't know what we want from men, right? It's like we are almost we're so up and down with what we want from them. And it's like, we crave the door being held open, but we also feel wrong for even having that craving because we should be able to hold open our own door. And Mm -hmm. the key thing is, is that it's not that you can't hold open your own door. Like if you needed to figure out how to like, I don't know, fix the toilet, you would YouTube it and you could do it. It's not that you are incapable of holding open your own door. It's that you don't want to hold open your own door. Like Mm -hmm. my fiance and I do this thing where, like I don't carry the bags or anything. He will break his fucking back before I am lifting a bag. And when we get like luggage off the thing, I just stand there. It's not even like, oh babe, like, will you get the luggage? I don't offer like, and and I don't have to because that's always been the dynamic. And he also mm-hmm. knows that like, he just wouldn't even allow that. Like that would be so degrading to his masculinity. And I now get offended as a woman when a man does not hold, hold open the door for me 
it's hard because I have compassion for them because they probably don't know whether they should or not. But even the other week I was going into like a pool area at a hotel and this probably like 70 year old man did not hold open the pool gate for me. He walked through and I was standing right there. He literally opened the door for himself and walked through the gate. And I stood there like jaw dropped. And and there was like a couple guys behind me, younger guy. He saw it and then held the gate open for me, like fully went out of his way to do it. And I was just like, this is the society these days. Now the 70 year old guy isn't even holding open the fucking door. And it's a really challenging argument because there's women like us where it's like, hold open the door, but we've had to get to this place. The majority of women are in that hyper-independent. I got to prove my worth as a woman. Mm -hmm. I got to be this like misindependent in order to be sexy enough, cool enough, et cetera. And I was talking about this at the beginning of the episode of the dichotomy between, you know, I want to be misindependent and the cool girl and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, you want a man to claim you and cherish you and like fuck your brains out. And I'm like, they're opposite energies. Like you can't have both. You actually have to pick. You either are going to be misindependent and he won't lead or you're going to be, or you're going to allow yourself to soften and then you'll have him lead. And the dichotomy exists because our biological desires are still there right? Of getting, of being ravished and having him leading. But then we also have this social conditioning of, I should be like X, Y, and Z in order to look like I am enough, quote unquote, of a woman, uh, you know, and as a woman in society these days. And so a lot of men just don't fucking know what to do, how to lead, what's allowed, what's not allowed. There's, um, I've been doing a survey for my book for like five years and um, one of the, I don't know whether it was in the survey or a guy emailed me this to like, tell me, but basically like a guy, uh, like whether it was in the survey or emailed basically shared that he gets very confused these days because he grew up always being told by his mom, respect women, respect women, respect women, respect mm-hmm. women. So he's had this programmed into his brain of respect women. So he'll be really respectful to women. But then when, when it comes to like romantic stuff and being in the bedroom, they basically don't want to be respected. Like in my mind, what they want is not me respecting them. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very confusing. And then what happens is because he doesn't not respect them, they then are like, Ugh, you're pathetic. Mm. But he has the desire to like ravish them. But he's like, but wait, isn't that wrong? Because I've been told to respect them. And don't they want to be respected? And they get, and so he gets confused, right? And men get confused of, if I do this, is that going to be too much? And then I'm going to lose my job and like be put in fucking jail because she's misinterpreted something Yeah. or can I choke her? And she fucking loves that. And then all of a sudden is like coming everywhere. It's very, it's really confusing for them. And so you need to be able to actually be open and have the space for him to lead you. That's one, one thing. Number two is that he needs to actually feel safe to lead. And then mm-hmm. kind of on the back of that is the, another thing that can be really helpful to do is to apologize is to apologize for emasculating. Mm. Women emasculate men all the time and we don't know it. When he offers to do something, no, 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 I can do it myself. I can do it myself. You've emasculated him, right? When, you know, he goes to hold open the door and you say, I'm fine, I can hold open myself. You emasculated him. When, you know, you joke about him for quote unquote banter in front of his friends, you've emasculated him. Basically, when you tell, you shame him, you're emasculating him. And women do it because when you, do that same behavior to a woman, it'll often cause her to like put a pep in her step and be better Mm. because we as women need community and need like to basically not be rejected from our tribe in order to stay safe. But men don't have that same need. So when you emasculate a man, he goes into his turtle shell. It doesn't, it doesn't force him automatically to be a better man. 
But for women, it forces, it kind of like pushes a woman to be better because she wants to be accepted. So often what happens is women engage with men the way that they would engage with other women. Mm-hmm. And it completely fucks the polarity, the relationship with the guy and emasculates them without them actually trying. And so understanding men is one of the most underrated things that you can do for your relationship because you are talking to a different species. You, every day you are engaging with someone that is pretty much the opposite of you. So if you don't know how to communicate with them in a way that they understand it through their brain, through their lens, you're just like, you're just not helping the relationship. You're not helping yourself, you know? Um, so does that help? No, I think it's great. And I think it's no, a hundred percent. What would your, what are your thoughts on? Yes, we can have conversations with our partners and our friends of like the, the, the roles that we're desiring to be held. But like, what are your thoughts? Just curious on society overall, because I feel like, like you said, we, we want the men to hold our door. And then there's a group of women who are like, don't you dare open the door. And it's like, yeah, it's creating so much conflict, so much tension, so much separation. Yeah. How, how do you think that our society should, what would be a good way for us to be kind of navigating these waters that we're in right now? Um, when a man holds open the door for you, you look him in the eye and you say, thank you so much. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who the guy is. I don't care whether he's a hundred years old or 20 and sexy as hell. You say, thank you. When, um, when you kind of even walk up to a door and there's a man as well, just step back and slightly to the side and your body language is telling him, I would like you to hold open the door and you will make his fucking day. When a man is like, can I help you with that? You say yes. So, okay. Prime example. And I fucking hate when this happens when I'm catching a flight by myself and like, let me tell you, my carry-on bag is not seven kilos or whatever the limit is. It is like 70 times that. I've got everything in there but the kitchen sink. Like I've jammed it and it's heavy. So when I'm getting on the plane, I'm by myself. And I don't have my fiance there to lift my bag. Like I can lift my bag up. But at the same time, that heavy bag that probably weighs, I don't know how many how much in pounds, but like 20-ish kilos, right? I am lifting it above my head. I could accidentally drop it on myself because I don't lift weights that are that like over my head all the time. That's just not what I do. And so when, it, when I'm trying to lift my bag up and a man doesn't offer to help me, I am so offended. Like, no, I don't say it. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't take like personal offense to it, but it's just, I am offended because it makes me sad that there are probably at least a hundred men on this flight. They can all see me trying to put this bag up or pull it down. And not one of them has gotten up and offered so sometimes what I'll do is if one, if I'm in that situation, I will actually say to one of the guys around me, can one of you please help me put this bag up? And one, it tells all the other men in that area, like, oh shit, fucking step it up. Like, do you know what I mean? And then the second, and yeah. it's obviously hard though, because then another woman could be like, I'm fine. Don't help me with my bag. But then what it also does, is it makes that guy's day and it makes your day, right? It changes your energy and your state immediately. And also for the men around you that see that, even though they're like, shit, I should have done that. They're also probably feeling like, wow, like I'm so like, it's this feeling of admiration of Mm. there's still a woman that will let a man put up the bag. It gives them hope, but that's the first scenario. The second scenario is if you're getting on the plane and a man offers, and it's something that you have to train yourself out of doing, because you are probably trained to say, no, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. If you, if you start saying, no, I'm fine, catch yourself and be like, actually, I'm not fine. I would love for you to put the bag up. 
And you have to get out of the habit of saying that you're fine, especially when you're in like a bad mood. Because often, especially when women are in a bad mood, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you're not actually fine. What you're actually wanting in that moment is for a man to overpower your mood and be like, you are not fine. And I am going to help you because that immediately calms your nervous system down. And it's like this test to whether it's Mm -hmm. your fiance, like your boyfriend, your husband, this test of, are you going to have me even when I'm a bitch? Or are you going to leave me when I'm cranky? And now I have to be the good girl all the time in order for you to help me. Mm -hmm. So either when she's being a bitch, you grab her bag, you put her in your place, her place, and you put the bag up. So when you get on the plane and he offers to put the bag up, whether you know him or not, you say yes. And you take the bag. Um, Other examples would just be that. uh, Oh, even like when you're getting into an Uber, you're getting into a taxi. I will stand at the Uber until the guy gets out of the car. You know how sometimes Uber drivers won't get out of the car to help you? And I'm like, this is so, like, I'm paying you. What the fuck is happening? I will stand there and I will, if he's like, what are you doing or something? I've done this before. I'll be like, oh, I'm waiting for you to come grab my bag, please. I will not put my bag in the trunk. Not only because it then just exacerbates, the reason is, is it exacerbates the issue that's already very prominent. And I can put my fucking bag in the boot. Like I got my bag in the boot to like get to the airport, right? But it's not about I can do it myself. It's about I am trying to do my part in in, in, in making sure that all the women standing on the curb are seeing this and mm-hmm. the men that are seeing it are also going, okay, this is happening. And it is, it is, there is no perfect answer because it is very challenging because then you have the women that are like, I can do it myself, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would say for any men listening to this or to pass on to men, when that happens, if you are a man that happens, all you need to do is just look at her and be like, oh, I know you can do it. I was just being a man, man and giving you a hand. Because when you understand chivalry, the reason why chivalry was, was created, and it's really interesting, when women write about chivalry, like the feminists write about chivalry, they completely like just bulldoze the meaning of chivalry. They make it their own. And it's funny because I'm like, of course you say this about chivalry because you're trying to fit your own agenda. You are this like... Um, Uh, like radical feminist that hates men. And so of course you're going to say chivalry is, you know, designed to make sure that men feel like they have the power, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But when a man talks about chivalry and let's remember men are the one that are being chivalrous men are the ones that made chivalry up, not women. So women don't really get a say in what chivalry means because we're not the ones being chivalrous. The reason why chivalry was made was actually for men to physically show their protection of a woman. So it's, it's this whole thing of men are like women are art. They are Mm. God's most divine creatures on the planet. We need to protect them. So when I am holding open the door, putting up the bag, it is a signal of, I will protect you. And it's a signal of respect and honor. That doesn't scream toxic masculinity, which is a whole other like toxic thing in itself. That doesn't scream toxic masculinity at all. And even on the chivalry topic, um, there, so that when the Titanic happened, right, predominantly men died because they made sure all the women and children got on the lifeboats. And then I have goosebumps. There was a shipwreck that happened maybe like 10 years ago, something like that. Another shipwreck happened sim- similar to Titanic. And the men would push women overboard to get on those boats so that they could go to safety. And I'm like, I have full goosebumps. It's like, that is society where now men are not saying women and children on board first. It's just anybody get on board first. Like, and it's so funny because some 
radical feminists would be like, yeah, but women can protect themselves. And I'm like, you're not seeing the point. If you have mm-hmm. the, your, if you have deep self-worth and deep self-respect, then you would see that as, isn't that the nicest thing ever? If you are trying to prove your worth to somebody else, then you're going to see that through the lens of, I can prove my worth, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to prove my worth because I know that I'm worthy. I know that I'm enough. So if you know you're worthy and enough, then if someone's going to help you, you're going to say thank you. But if you don't think that you're worthy enough, deserving, et cetera, then when some, someone tries to help you, you're going to prove to them that you are enough. But in the proving, it actually shows insecurity. Mm-hmm. So it's just really, really sad that like this is what the world's to come to. And it exacerbates women not feeling protected, safe, provided for by men, because the reality is men are not protecting women anymore. And that is their sole purpose. But we have kind of ringed it out of them over time because we've made it wrong. Yeah, that was so well said. And I think just taking back all that, it's us, whoever's listening to this, us taking responsibility of our actions, of how we speak or how we, our behaviors to bring this back into society in, in a respectful way. And at the end of the day, like it's our genetic makeup. And I know you actually have a podcast on it on yeah. um, your recent one on uh, emasculating men. And it's an amazing podcast episode for those Thank listening. You. Go listen to that after that, because I think it's so important to bring this because it's not that we can't do these things. It's just that we sh- we don't need to. And we're and different. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, yeah. we're here birthing babies out of our vaginas. Like we're special. Right. We are different. Can we own the differences, differences in us yeah. and not have to like always be competing to be equal and the same? And can we allow them to take care of us? And right. I mean, I, and I speak on that because I used to be so hyper masculine and I had to learn how to soften and, and, and embody this queen energy. Right. And we're not equal, but we do balance each other. So like mm-hmm. men are more, men are physically stronger and it doesn't matter how much a woman pumps herself full of testosterone. She can never be as strong as a woman that is science that is research. Like that's proof. You can't rebut that. Um, I won't go too into it, but if you want to do research, you can research it. So women cannot be as strong as men, even if they tried because of difference in bone structure, muscle structure, et cetera, whatever hormone levels, et cetera. That's why we have that whole issue with when trans women or men are, are racing in the other, like the women or the men, yeah. whatever, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's confusing. It's a problem because it doesn't matter. How, there's actually a lot of of research that proves this issue of even a year after they have finished their last dose of feminizing hormones, let's say, for example, they still have a 9% higher level of testosterone than women. So it's like, it's not, it's not fair. Right. So when we look at the difference between men and women, even though we are not equal, we balance each other. So men are physically stronger. We are physically weaker, but when it comes to emotions, Mm -hmm. we are more emotionally strong. They are emotionally weaker. When it comes to nurturing, we are better nurturers. They are worse. Like when it comes to hunting, they're better hunters where, you know what I mean? So like, even though they could be better at one thing and we're worse at that same thing, there's something else that they're not as good at and we are better at. So when you put the two together and all our strengths and weaknesses, it's like a puzzle piece that fits together. Mm-hmm. And so hence there is so much imbalance in society because there isn't the masculine qualities coming through from men and the feminine qualities coming through from women. It's complete imbalance, which is causing imbalance in our society, but also in um, our relationships as well. No, it was so well said. It's the yin and the yang. Yeah. Like there, it's that puzzle piece. We can't all be the same person and it's meant to kind Correct. of come and coexist together. Oh my God. Exactly. I could go on on this. I love this. Thank I you know. so much <laughs> for speaking on this. Um, I know 
I want to be respectful of your time. If you had to just give one piece of advice or just for those listening right now, I'm really big on taking action. It's like, great, listen to this, but like, let's also do something about it. What would be one piece of advice that you would tell the listeners to take action on today that could support them, support our society, or just something Mm. that's on your heart? I'm going to give two things because one is like something that you need to take action on for a very long time, I would say is acceptance around being a woman, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever that means to you, like whether you need to learn about periods, learn about the beauty of the feminine, whether it's you need to start to realize that like that, that being a woman is beautiful, whatever it is, but like acceptance of being a woman. You don't even need to start with loving being a woman. Like I love being a woman now, but it started with acceptance, just pure, this is who I am. Let's stop trying to fucking fight it. Let's stop trying to be a man. Let's just actually focus on being a woman. So that would be one thing. And then the second thing would be, um, I would say this would be a hard one for some women and very triggering, but I think it would be a good one to do is to ask your partner or guy friends how you have emasculated them before and to start pointing out when you emasculate them. Because I can tell you what, that you do it way more than you think. You do it mm-hmm. in ways you didn't know are emasculating. And I, I will preface, there is a line with emasculation. You know, you don't want to not speak up and become a fucking doormat because you're afraid of emasculating him. That's not the point. But when we are constantly chipping away at somebody, it chips away at their essence eventually over time. So I would say asking him where, uh, when you emasculate him and like how you've done it in the past so that you can obviously, hopefully stop doing it would be a really good thing. And then once he tells you apologize and mean it and then take action on it. Yeah. I love that. And that's actually okay. when, after listening to your podcast episode, I realized, oh, I'm doing this, even though I have some of the awareness I do now in a whole improved relationship, there's still habits and unconscious behaviors that is causing that emasculation. And so I actually love that task yeah. and I'm going to ask you guys like, go listen to that episode. I don't know what number it is. If you uh, no, but I'm sure if you, why don't you just like link it in the show notes yeah. and then it's, it's 300 and something, but I would link it in. I've got a lot on emasculation. So I would link that episode. Okay. Yeah, totally. Cause that yeah. one was, it was so beautifully well said. And obviously all your podcast episodes are amazing, but that one, like, thank you really landed for me uh, this last week. But um, as we wrap up, where can everyone find you? What can you, what do you have going on right now that if anyone wants Wants to work with you or learn more from you because yep. you have so much to offer. I'd love for them to, to learn more. So depending, obviously when this goes out, it's going to depend like what's happening. Um, one-on-one coaching is, is something that's always kind of available. I'll book out like a few months in advance, but that's something that's always on the table. Um, my program around emasculation is called Be a Love and Not a Mother. So again, depending when this goes out, will depend whether that's open or not. So the best place to go is to my website. And then you can see on like the home banner, when you like flick across what's open. So then you kind of know what programs are on offering and you can always just wait list yourself for other programs um, or send us an email. But the uh, the website is monicayateshealth.com. My Instagram, monicayateshealth, you said already my podcast, Feminine as Fuck. Um, and I have an amazing team member, Olivia, who, you know, you can just send a DM to like my account and I'll jump in there or Olivia will jump in there. And you can literally just share like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Tell me what programs to do. And either she will give you recommendations. And we often chat when people send DMs of like, what's the best thing, or I'll jump in there and give you recommendations. But I often say that because I have a really big 
um, like range of offerings, it's best to just send a message of like, this is what I need. This is what my top priority is. And then we can recommend what would be the best things for you to do so that you just get your money's worth and you don't buy a program that you don't really need at the time or something. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. go check it out. I'll put everything in the show notes below Amazing. and definitely make sure you give her a follow so you can stay up to date on all of your offerings, your book that's coming Thank out you. in March. I think you said is the updated yes, date. March. Yes. yes. And then, um, I know you have an in-person experience next year as well, right? Next year as well. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. So all the things I'm like, there's so much going on. Just website is the best place to go. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, for sharing all of your wisdom and really taking a stance on this feminine embodiment. And I appreciate it. Thank you, Tatiana. Bye everyone. I'll see you next week for the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with me and write an Apple iTunes review so I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me, you can find me on Instagram at Tatiana underscore Kuto. Make sure to tag me in any posts that you share. I love and appreciate you so much and cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out and radiate your light into the world.